we'll have a time of prayer here in just a little bit. So this week is our week of prayer and fasting. And I talked about fasting last week. Many Christians don't know much about fasting. So you can go to our website and, and listen to that. Um, but I, I just want to encourage you. I was, I was thinking about a scripture this week, um, really thinking about the start of a new year. And it, it's in, in Luke chapter 5, and it says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret with people crowding around him and listening to the word, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into, into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee's, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't, don't be afraid from now and you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. And I, I, was, I was thinking about this. Um, they, were, they, were, they were seasoned fishermen. They knew what they were doing. This is how they made their living. But they were fishing in the shallow water. And Jesus said, no, the fish are in the deep water. And when they listened, they obeyed, and they did that. And, you know, I think one of the biggest problems in the church today is we got Christians who are in the shallow end of the, of the water. We got shallow Christians. And we feel good if we come to church once a month, once every five weeks. We're not reading our Bible. We're not praying. We're not giving anything of what God has blessed us with. And I was reading this this weekend. Jesus said, the problem when we're not progressing in our spiritual lives, the problem is not me. Many times the problem is not the church. The problem is that you're staying in the shallow end. And it's time to go out in the deep end. It's time to go out in the deep water. It's time to grow some spiritual roots. It's time for some accountability. It's time that when you get challenged, you don't get offended. It is time that we go deep and plunge into God's word. And, and that's what the week of prayer and fasting is about. You know, whatever you're going through, you cannot solve any of your current problems staying where you're at. You've got to quit the shallow end and you've got to go deep into God's word. You've got to go deep into prayer and fasting and fellowship. And, and you've got to let people speak into your lives. And so I, I was thinking about that. Now, here's the deal is that when they went out in the deep water and let down their nets... They caught so much that their boat started to sink. Now, so this may have been the greatest catch of their fishing career, and they made a living by fishing. But what did they do? They left their boats and followed Jesus. See, a lot of times we're in it for what we can get instead of in it for what we can do for the kingdom. Okay, I'm throwing some bombs on you here this morning. And I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to challenge you. I mean, I'm telling you, we're going to have prayer meetings. I'm going to be here every night at 7 p.m. 
And I'm telling you, this should be, this should be just as packed as Sunday morning. We ought to, we ought to come praying and, and dedicating ourselves and crying out to God. So I just, I just want to challenge you. And remember, sometimes people say, well, I can't pray for an hour. We're going to have worship music playing. You can come in here. Uh, you can sing. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can do whatever you want to do. The whole point is a quiet atmosphere that's conducive for you to connect with God. So that's what we're going to do. And, and that had nothing to do with my sermon. So uh, I just wanted to challenge you. I wanted to challenge you. If you want something more from God, you have to be willing to put the work in. You have to be willing to go deep. You have to jump off that deep end. Take the floaties off. Take the floaties off, you know. I mean, th those little rings around pool, they look, they look good when you're two or three. I know a lot of Christians, you're still swimming with a rubber ducky around you. Seriously. You get offended if something doesn't go your way. You blame God. You blame other people. Hey, take responsibility and dive in the deep end. That's where God's at. God's going to meet you there. He's not going to let you, he's not going to let you sink. All right, and today is, it is Vision Day at this church, and I want to talk, I like to take the first full Sunday of every year just to talk about, hey, where we're at, where we're going, what we feel like God wants us to do, uh, to do this year and accomplish this year. And, and so in, in my opinion, vision is, is the most important ingredient in life. I think vision is just so important in life, and it does not matter if we're talking about our family, our career, our finances, retirement, running a business, our physical health, or the local church we attend. Without a clear and compelling vision, it's very hard for you to make sustainable progress. It's very hard. And you have to know where you're going so you can pray. You have to get vision from God. And uh, most people go through life, they never think about a vision. They never think about the future. Well, this is, this is what vision is. If you look in the dictionary, vision is the ability to think, think about or plan the future with imagination and wisdom, which means we need God involved. People say, well, I'm not creative. That's okay. The Holy Spirit is. Did you see what he did in Genesis 1-1? The Holy Spirit, God spoke and the Holy Spirit started creating our world and skies and land and stars. And it's the faculty or state of being where you're able to see. Are you ever stuck? Now we all are. Have you ever been stuck and you don't have the ability to see what's next? You don't have the ability to see two months down the road, three months down the road, six months down the road. See, when, when we pray and get a vision for God, it's the point where we're going, but we have a ways to get there. But we have, just like the, the Magi, they were followed the star. We have a star. We have a north point. We have an end result we're shooting for, and we have a direction to get there. The Bible says so much about vision, and probably the most famous verse, and my favorite, is in Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And the word vision, this is what it means. Many times, okay, what is vision? Vision, it means this, if you look this up in the Hebrew. It means dreams, a revelation, or a word from God. Dreams come from God. It's a revelation from God about what he wants us to do, how he wants our lives to be. See, so many times our vision, our vision in America is about what we want 
Our vision is about how much money we want in the bank, how we want our career to go. A vision from God encompasses everything. When we follow a vision from God, not only are we blessed, it blesses everyone around us. We have too many people that are worried about themselves being blessed, and they're not worried about being a blessing uh, to someone else. And the word perish, where there is no vision, the people perish. So a vision comes from God. It's dreams. It's a revelation. It's an oracle or a word from God. And where there's not, where there's not a vision, people perish. And we would think that word perish means to die, but it's, it's worse than death. What's worse than death? What's worse than death is when we're stuck in the same place for all of our lives. Uh, perish means to be con- a state, in a state of confusion, a state of frustration, because there's a lack of progress in our lives. That, that's what happens when there's no God-given vision that compels us, that wakes us up in the morning, that makes us sacrifice, that makes us just really go the extra mile. We, we're going to stay in the same place. And we're going to have a lack of progress for years and years. And, and that's not what God wants for us. So, you know, the very first thing when we were youth pastoring in Lafayette, Louisiana, and God told me to, he, he said, I, I want you to go start a church. And I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, where do I go? All this kind of stuff. And when we finally found out it was this area, you know, we, Tracy and I, we spent six months just praying, okay, God, if you want us to start a church. That, that was 20 years ago. We just had our 20-year anniversary. I'm telling you, some of you, some of you are, you're not as young as you used to be. Oh, and, and I do, is Hector in here? I want to publicly apologize to Hector last, for last week's birthday little thing. I may have inadvertently made a joke about him losing his job for singing happy birthday to me. But I didn't know it was a conspiracy. I can't see behind me. I didn't know they put a picture. If I saw the picture, I was like, this is a conspiracy. Tracy's involved. So Hector, you're okay, man. But we spent six months because have you ever been somewhere where the vision changes every three or four months? A lot of people don't have a vision. They follow fads. Just like, you know, you, when I was in the youth ministry, all my, all my, several of my kids that were really into fashion, every few months they would take all their clothes to Goodwill and they would get different clothes from Goodwill. I said, they found trendy clothes at Goodwill. Who, who knew? But they would trade all their stuff in and that fashion it's always changing. These are in, these aren't. These are in. I just keep wearing the same old thing and be back in eventually, right? But um, like those, the kids wear all the cut-up jeans. That came in when I was 18 years old. Who would have known? But vision says, that's where I'm going. That's where God wants me to go. He's uniquely created me to go there. That's his plan. That's his vision for my life. And my life's goal is to get there. Vision doesn't change. When God gives you a vision for your life, just like if God gave, everyone has a vision that they're supposed to marry their spouse, and then, then a few years later, it's not God's vision anymore. It's still God's vision. You just got all mixed up, right? But vision, it's a compelling thing. And, and I've, I've been places to where it seems like things are always changing, and I'm like, God, I told God this. I'll, I'll go and start any church you want me to. I'll go anywhere you want me to, but I want to stay at that one place for however long you want to use me. I don't want to move around. I don't want to start a bunch of different. I just want to, I just want to you know, start, start, start one. And, and I ask God, give us a road, give us a clear vision of what you want. And, you know, really vision is the roadmap to the final destination. It's like the GPS that's going to get you, uh, you know, where you need to be. And clear vision is the only thing that will guarantee that you don't have regrets later in life. It's imperative that we have a vision 
for our lives, for our families, our careers, our business, our spiritual lives, and in the local church. And what I want to do is I want to take about, I want to take about 10 or 15 minutes and talk about, hey, the, the vision of family life. And, and maybe you're new today. Maybe, maybe you've been coming for a while. And I, I, I like the church to know, hey, this is our vision. And this is what we're trying to accomplish. Then I'm going to talk about some specific things that we want to do in 2020. But, um, you know, several years ago, I was, I was reading through the Bible, and um, as I do every year. And, and I, I realized that, you know, of course, the Bible has so many wonderful promises for his life. I re- realized that, man, you know, God, God has a redemptive plan for our life. And really, you can think about this. God, for every human being born... God has a spiritual journey he wants them to go on. And, and I found it 13 places in the Bible. It starts in Exodus when God's taking the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. And, um, and, and I like the, 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 how it says it in Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. But I want you to think about this. Our, our spiritual journey, God has the same spiritual journey for every one of us. He may have a different vision for what he wants us to do. But he has the same spiritual journey for everyone that's ever born. And, and there's four steps. And if we want to be spiritually mature, you have to take these four steps. And you have to take these four steps in order. And so family life, we exist to help people take their spiritual journey. This is all we want to do. We want to help people go down their spiritual journey. Sometimes people come to family life. And they get saved here. This is the only church they've ever been at. They weren't going to church. Sometimes people move from different states or different places, and they've already been discipled. And our goal is to take whoever comes here and help them progress on their spiritual journey. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, it says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is Paul writing the church at Ephesus. So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his Holy Spirit, in his holy people. So let's break this down, and there's four steps we find here. And step number one is this. Paul says, I pray that you may know him, God, you may know him better. And, and after that, just write personally. God wants the very first start step in our spiritual journey is that we, we know God, that we have an encounter with God, that we know who he is. And the word know there, it's our, the Greek word is epignosis. And it means to know intimately, personally, more than intellectually. How many times we say we know somebody, but we really don't know them? Like people say, oh, I know the president. You don't know the president. You know what people say about him. You don't know what goes on in his private thoughts. Just like there's people all the time that I see at a distance and I can say I know them, but unless I'm in their house, unless I'm having personal conversations with them, I really don't know. I'll I'll prove it to you. Sometimes we think we know somebody and then they do something crazy and we're like, wow, I, I thought I knew them. I didn't know them at all. That's the way a lot of people know God. When you hear someone say, oh, the man upstairs... They don't, they, you know, they don't know him in, in a personal level. And, and so, so think, think about this. <clears throat> so the first step in our spiritual journey is to learn who God is, then dedicate our, li- our lives to him. So the, the number one goal at Family Life, the number one goal is we, we want that everyone that comes here, that you know God personally. 
that you have a personal, intimate relationship with him. You learn to communicate with him. You learn to follow his plan for your life. And, of course, we, we call that, uh, you know, uh, salvation. So what, what we have to do is we have to learn the nature and character of God so that we can have a growing relationship with him. And Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says this in the message. It says the son, Jesus, perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. That, that means when God sent Jesus into our world, he was stamped with the DNA of the Father. So everything Jesus did represented the Father. So think about this. How did Jesus represent God on the earth? He was, act, he was actively involved in the daily life of his followers. He showed great care, concern, and compassion for everyone he met, adulterers, lepers, handicapped people, tax collectors, fishermen. Uh, he went to weddings and turned water into wine. And so think of this. God, Jesus showed great care and concern and compassion for everyone, and he met with the down and outs, but he also challenged them to leave their lives of sin, didn't he? It was, it was two-faced here. So, so think of this. God's greatest desire is you. He created you, all of us, to have a personal relationship with God. And, I mean, that, that, that's just, that, that's incredible to think that the God of the universe who created our world, he created it so that I could have a relationship where we communicate, where I have his presence in my life, where I get direction, wisdom, and guidance from him. That's a pretty amazing thing. And... Um, so here at Family Life, we consider our number one priority. Our number one priority is to, is to help people who don't know him to know him personally. Think about this. There's a parable that Jesus told in Luke 15. And uh, actually, there's three successive parables. And it's quite interesting. There's a story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all three of the stories are similar. Uh, he said, hey, if you have 100 sheep and you lose one, won't you leave the 99 in a safe place and do everything you can to go get the one? And he said, if a, there's a woman who had 10 coins, she lost one. She stopped everything she was doing. She cleaned her whole house. She cleaned her whole house to find that one coin, and when she found it, there was great rejoicing. Do any of you ever lose things and you stop whatever you're doing and find, to find them? For years and years, for years and years, I could never find my keys. I come into the house, I said, I can't find my keys. And he goes somewhere, I can't find my keys. So now Tracy put a little thing in a drawer. When I walk in, that's where my keys go. That's where my keys go. And every once in a while, I, I didn't put my keys in there. And I'm scared to tell her because she said, I put that there for you to put your keys there, right? <laughs> is it possible, church, is it possible that we've become so consumed with ourselves that we're actually not concerned about the lost? But do you know every, this is interesting, I'm just going to let you, I'm, listen, my name's Terry and I'm very honest. I try to be transparent, okay? And I don't do that to offend anyone, but I'm, I'm trying to, we got to be honest. Do you know that when unbelievers come to our church, I never get one complaint? You know who I get complaints from? People have been saved a long time. Oh, there's too many lights. Oh, the sound is too much. Oh, it was too hot. It was too cold. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, this is, is it possible that we're so, we've become so concerned about us being blessed that we're not concerned that our neighbors, our family members, our coworkers are going to hell? Is that possible that, that we've gotten that point? Is it possible? And God, what Jesus showed in these parables, and then, of course, the lost son, the son went off, you know, and he came back to Father welcoming. But something of great value was lost, 
And it was, when it was found, there was a great celebration. And I'm telling you, what is the most precious thing in the earth? It's people. It's people. It's souls. A lot of the things we're worried about don't matter, but people matter. And as a church, you know, we have to be concerned about the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. And we have to do everything we can to reach them and to bring them to Jesus. So step number one is to know God personally. Step number two is to find freedom in your life. And Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That word enlightened means focused and clear. And, you know, here's the thing. When we come to Jesus, immediately he forgives all of our sins. He restores our relationship to God. But there's still a huge problem. And here's the problem is that after we immediately get saved, we still have a lot of junk or you could say garbage in our lives from living without God. And some of the junk we created for ourselves and some of the junk other people did to us. But, you know, the truth is it doesn't matter if you have junk in your life. God wants to set you free from that. He wants to set you free. So you have, you have to be able to forgive people, release that, and say, 2020, it's a new year. No longer am I going to live as an insecure person. No longer am I going to live, uh, you know, with, re- with a rejection complex. And think about all the things that happen in our sin-filled world. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, rejection, addictions occur, habits, eating disorders, betrayals, the list goes on. God sent Jesus in the world not only to forgive us of our sins, but to clear us out and release us from all the junk that's happened in our lives. And, you know, many of you I know personally, some of you I don't know personally, many of you I know, and there's a story behind each person. And behind every person in this room, there's some form of hurt. There's some form of betrayal. There's something that's happened to you that wasn't right. It wasn't fair. You didn't deserve. But we've got, God wants us to move beyond that. Here's the thing. People tell me, well, when I get to heaven, God will take care of that. He will. But wouldn't you like to live free today? Wouldn't you like to be free today? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is, you know, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ or if anyone comes to Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. You know, the, the problem with a lot of Christians is that when they come to Christ, they become a new creation, but the old stuff doesn't go away. The old stuff is still there. You know, some people, it's like you ever see someone going down the road and they're pulling a big trailer? and their, their back end is down like this, they're going down, they're pulling this big trailer. That's how a lot of people are today, even Christians. They're pulling that load behind them, and God says, man, if you will just unhitch that and let the hurt go, let the past go, and, and come to me, you'd be so much freer to drive down the road and so much, so much of a weight. Um, you know, I, I believe, you know, we're here in February, we'll be starting another round, a new semester of small groups. And I, I believe this. We have all, we'll have all kind of small groups, all kind of different ones. I believe this. Um, you can, you can be set free of that at any time. But what I have found that really helps is when we have some other like-minded believers that we can talk with, that we can be accountable to, 
and we can work through things together with. You know, a lot of times people don't want to join a small group because they're like, well, if I join a small group, everyone's going to know my problems. And that's not necessarily true. You can keep it to yourself. But what I've found is when you go to a small group, you go home and say, wow, they're in worse shape than I am. You feel better about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell them that. You just say, man, I thought. One time Trace and I had some friends, and, and uh, their kids always seem to be perfect. And, and Trace and I, we had wonderful kids. They're wonderful adults now. But, man, when they were younger, man, my boys were full throttle, man. You know, and, like, I don't know what they, we went out of their house, and their kids just imploded. Temper tantrums and all that. We got in the car and left. I looked at Trace, and I'm like, I don't know about you, but I feel better about myself. Right, if you know someone that has kids and they're always perfect, that's a figment of the imagination, right? All right. Uh, step number three is, is to discover your purpose. And he says, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And the greatest day in your life is when you discover your God-given purpose and design. And I believe this, the reason that millions of people are just wandering through life. They're just floating along. It's like, it's like when, it, what do they call those? They call, what do they call those pools that just go around something? Lazy river, right? It's a lazy river. It's a lazy river. You're not going anywhere in life. You just come always back to the starting point. I believe the reason that many people go through that is because they've never discovered their God-given purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Whether you know it or not, whether you've discovered it or not, God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for your life. He created you with unique abilities and giftings that you can, that you can use. And um, our, our Family Life Grow Track is the system we have to help, our, help people that are attending to get involved and discover where they can, where they can serve and discover God's giftings in our life. Um, like the video said, in, in, in two weeks we're going to start our growth track. You can go to our website and sign up for that. And uh, that will help you. And that's the way in which also we get people involved and get them on a serve team to start s serving and helping out here around Family Life. So the Family Life vision, the four, four steps to God's redemptive plan for life. Number one, you got to know him. you got to know him personally. When you know his nature and your, his character, man, it just does one. It opens up your life. Number two is we need to get free from the things that are holding us back. And, um, you know, sometimes people say, well, Terry, no one knows what's holding me back. They may not know what's holding you back, but they know that something is. Because you can't be around somebody that has issues without, without something, you know, coming about. Number three is discover their purpose. Number four is to make a difference. See, everyone wants to make a difference. How, let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to make a difference this year? See, that's pretty good. 70% of you want to make a difference. I'm so, makes me proud here, okay? I actually meant for you to raise your hand on that one. But anyway, think about this. Everyone wants to make a difference, but you can't make a difference until you allow God to free you from the junk that's holding you back. If you have a rejection complex, if you're insecure, if you're angry, if you're full of anger and bitterness and criticalness, God can't use you the way he wants to. You get rid of that junk, man, now God can release you to minister and be a blessing to people. And so uh, to step four is to make a difference. I pray that you may grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has 
for his followers. Let me ask you a question. So you got to do step one, step two, step three, and step four. You can't get to step four until you've done one, two, and three. See, human nature always wants to take shortcuts. Come on. Isn't that what commercials sell? Take this pill. You'll lose 25 pounds by tomorrow morning. And I'll be doing your funeral, right? But, you know, think about it. You know, Federal Express, it brings it fast. Speedo, fast. You know, everything in our culture is fast. But the truth is, in life and spiritually, you can't skip steps. If you try to skip steps, you always start back at at step one. That's true, right? So think about it. A doctor, what if I want to be a doctor? And I was like, you know, I'm really smart. I did really good on my aptitude test. So I am not going to take my bachelor's degree. I'm just going to apply for medical school. Some people think like that, then they're offended they didn't get in, you know? Well, you got to do step one, right? Or, or if you want to be an engineer, you don't just become an engineer. You go to school and you study specific things to learn the trade. There's dedication, there's study, there's work. You know, there's, there's apprenticeships. And, you know, even think about if you want to be a master plumber, there's a series of steps you take. There's an apprenticeship, then a journeyman, then you become a master plumber. You know, when Tracy and I... Uh, we were getting a new bathtub put in our house, and, uh, you know, we, 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 our house was older. You know, it had one of those old jacuzzi tubs, so we ripped that out, and we got a soaker tub. And, man, I bought it, and it was really nice. And so I had these people that are going to come put it in, and I asked the guy, are you a master plumber? He said, I know everything about plumbing. <laughs> but are you a master plumber? Well, you can pay more for a master plumber, but I know everything that a master plumber knows. Okay. I was out of town, put it in. I was out of town and Tracy calls me and she filled up the bathtub, she soaked and all that kind of stuff. And when she pulled the plug for the water to go out, the water did not go down the drain. It's going all over our bathroom. And so she calls me during this and I'm like away and, and I really want to be further away, like out of, out of phone reach. <laughs> so I paid for a master plumber to come do it right. You got to do things the correct way. And spiritually, there is, there, is no, there is no up here unless you start downhill. You got to go uphill to get there. You got to do the right things. And, and you know, a lot of t- again, a lot of times I feel like Christians, we just want to be blessed. But God wants us to be blessed, and he wants us to be a blessing to other people. You know, it's, it's always more than just about ourselves. So, um, anyway, so this is, this is the truth. There's a, there's a four-step journey, and your four steps, your spiritual journey. You have to take them in order, and, and God wants everyone to go through these same steps. So let me talk about 2020 just for a few minutes, uh, some vision that we have. And, and first of all, I've, I've said all this, and our primary vision for family life is to continue helping people progress through the four steps of their spiritual journey we just talked about. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we want, you, we want to help you progress and keep growing. Now, I've been saved a long time. I've been a pastor for 24 years. And you know what? There's still areas that I can grow in. There's things I can do better. There's more I can learn from God. There's more the Holy Spirit can do in my life. And, and we never just get to the place where we're all there. We got to keep growing and progressing. And you know, of course, we do that through our Sunday services. We have all kinds of different small groups. Uh, we have different conferences we do every year. As a matter of fact, if you want to write this down, on February 22nd, 
We're going to have a marriage conference, the XO Marriage Conference. That's a great way to tweak your marriage and, and just make sure that your marriage is, you're, you're making the most of your marriage. And so that's number one. Number two is this September we'll be starting a Spanish service. We've been playing this for a long time, and so this September we'll be, have a second service Spanish. Joe and Fanny, would y'all come up real quick? Joe, Joe is... Uh, Joe Agadello is going to come on staff at church, and um, he's going to help us out and lead that. And, of course, you know his wife, Fanny, they've been coming here a long time. Nine years, Joe? Nine years. And we've been, we've been talking about this for, I don't know, how long, Joe? Five years, seven years? For seven years, we've been trying to start this Spanish service, but Joe didn't have faith to leave UPS. <laughs> he said that's what his wife said, too, so I'm certainly correct. Um, but no, Joe is going to be retiring from UPS, and praise the Lord, he's happy about that, and um, coming on staff, and, and um, so uh, uh, anyway, um, we'll be talking more about that, but if you know Spanish-speaking speak, people that want to help us to start this church, uh, put, put Joe in contact with them, and we're going to be planning on doing that, and Joe, is there anything you want to say or greet the people? Or? Well, uh, my wife and I, we... My wife and I, were excited to be a part of this great body of family life. And as Pastor Terry said, we've been here almost nine years, actually. Yeah. And uh, it's been a great journey, and it continues to be a great journey. And it's going to be a great journey, Pastor Terry and Pastor Tracy, when we come alongside of you and, and just be a part of this great vision that God has given you, you know, yeah. and be a part of, uh, of this great church. And I'm, my family and I are so blessed to be a part of this body love you guys. We love Pastor Terry, and we want to just be a part of this vision and reach out to the Spanish community and beyond for Christ. So we're excited, and I know great things are going to happen this year, Pastor Terry, and we're excited. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Joe. So you can start praying about that. We just, we just believe great things are going to take place, and, and basically what we want to do is the same exact environment that we have here, we're going to, do, we're going to duplicate that in our Spanish service. And, and that, that's, that's, that's our goal. Um, I, you know, it's funny. So when, when God gives you a vision, you know where you're going. Isn't it interesting that as you begin to go, you're still going in the same direction, but it unfolds in a way that you didn't see possible? And, and so, you know, many of you don't know this, but Trace and I, we were coming here to start this church. And we were at a pastor's conference with Bobby Hill about three or four months before we came here. And this guy that we had never met before called us out. We're, we're going up for prayer, and he prophesied over us. And, you know, the way prophecy works is, uh, you know, I don't just say, oh, you know, because I didn't ever knew him before, but hey, maybe this is what God's going to do. And God prophesied that we would have a multicultural church. And, you know, I said, okay, well, that's neat. And, you know, probably right now in our church, we have about 15 to 20 different nations represented. And that, that's amazing. And, but, you know, what, what's really interesting, about 10 years ago, nine years ago, uh, it, it, things begin to shift as far as multicultural. And, and if you're new here, what you need to understand is that this is the home church here at Family Life, but Family Life is an international ministry. And we, we have started, I mean, I mean, we started with 10 people. We have started more than 225 churches around the world. Family Life has. And so 
Many of you have been coming here for years and years, and you've been supporting Family Life. So that means you, there are churches all over the world because, of, uh, that, because that you gave. And, and, I mean, churches in Honduras and Mexico and the U- Ukraine and, and all over. And if you don't know, about, about nine years ago, I had a divine encounter uh, with Pastor Jose. And his wife came to church here, and she didn't speak any English, so I tried talking to her, and we, we, we had an interpreter. And about two months later, he asked me to come over there and, and see the ministry over there. And, and I looked, I'm sorry, I looked on the map, and I said, well, no, I don't think I'm going to go there because well, that's in the middle of nowhere, you know. Tracy asked me, are going to go? I was like, no, look where I'm not going over there. I don't feel God calling me to do that. Well, after I didn't sleep for three days, I'm like, well, maybe I ought to consider, you know. What God, so I went over there and um, God, God told me, you know, you can help him accomplish his goal. And of course, India and Nepal, very, very poor people. I mean, we're talking about they don't have proper running water in many places, they don't have electricity, um, they get persecuted for being Christian. And Pastor Joe's told me, um, you know, I've been here for 17 years, I sold everything I had, my house and everything, to come start here. I've been working for 17 years. And we've started 30 churches. I thought, well, man, that's pretty good. There's like 6,000 people in this church. That's pretty incredible. Of course, you have to understand that in these parts of the world where there's a half percent Christianity, there's so much hunger for the gospel. It's, you know, it's like here in America. Here in Houston, we probably have 50, 50 or 70 churches throwing out a line in the same pond. Over there, you're throwing a line out, and there's no other line out. You know, it's just, it, you know, that's just the way it is over there. And um, so anyway, they had a lot of things. They had, a, they had an orphanage where they saved kids out of sex trafficking. They had a Bible college to train their pastors. They had all, the, all this stuff going. But their problem was resources. And we went with them. And, and quite honestly, I would say that over the last nine years, our church personally has given $500,000 to India and Nepal. We've bought land for them. We've, um, we've built buildings for them. We, they have a buffalo farm now that, you know, one of the things was to be self-sufficient. Uh, we bought them 25 water buffalo. They milk water buffalo over there and they sell the milk. Today they have 300 water buffalo and they sell $9,000 of American, American dollars worth of milk every month to support the ministry. Amen. Um, but since we've been helping them, in, nine, in 17 years, he started 30 churches. In nine years, we have started 184 churches. 184 churches. In nine years since we've been helping, and that's family life. It's not me. It's family life. 40,000 people have come to Jesus. 40,000 people. And um, it's just incredible. And, of course, Joe's kept asking me. You'll meet him. He'll be here in about three weeks. He'll, he'll come for a visit. He kept asking me to be, to be a family life church and all that. And he said, you're my pastor. I want to, you know, and I kept putting him off because I didn't feel like he had to do that. Well, last year, you know, they, they changed their name. So literally we have 222 family life churches in India and Nepal, 222. And uh, it's, it, it's amazing. And so, so just think about that. You know, we're, of course, we're starting a Spanish service here. But we, we have all these churches all over the world that are they're really doing some things. And we, we have a vision this year to start 50 new churches in India and Nepal. 50 new churches. Last year, in 2019, 
They led 3,000 people to the Lord, started 19 churches. The goal this year is to start 50 churches, and um, like they, they already have the pastors trained to do that. The, the third thing, again, just throwing out some vision. Um, we have a, of course, we have a goal. We have a vision to reach the next generation here at Family Life. And uh, if you know the small building over here, that was our building for about eight or nine years, and we were packing it out and having all these services. And now it's the youth center. We call it the student center. Um, but honestly, it's, it's, not, it's not as a, it's a beautiful building. It, it was just designed for a Sunday service and not youth. And so our goal this year is to remodel that building, have a state-of-the-art uh, youth and college student center. And we're going to have a cafe, a sitting area, a game room. It's going to be all open. And, uh, you know, that's going to be about $100,000 to do that. And we're, 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 hope, we're, we're believing um, you can do that. And um, we also would like to have, we have a vision of starting a second English service by the end of the year. And when we built this building, you know, I, I, I consulted some people because I'm, I'm, very, I'm very careful about how we spend God's money. I, I do not like to waste money. I don't like to waste my money. I don't like to waste church. I just don't like to waste money. And the reason is, is because all of you, myself included, Tracy and I tithe and give to missions here. Many of you tithe here. And I feel a personal obligation to manage God's money the most effective way possible. And, you know, we're not going to waste money here at Family Life. So we actually brought some consultants in before we built this building and said, what's the most economic way? And, and actually, if you go to the other building, this building is like four or five times as big. And they said, you know, I was wanting to build a smaller building, but if you, if you build a smaller building, then you have to build another building, and then it's cheaper to build one larger one than two smaller ones, just, just because the price of, of things. So we built this, this building with the intentions that we could get up to 1,500 people in service. We can have two Sunday morning services in English. We'll have a Spanish service on Sunday afternoon. We can have a Saturday night service. And, and, and we just, we have the potential to quadruple our size right now without having to build another building. So that, that's, that's why, um, you know, we, we, we built this building and did, did what we did. Um, so there's a lot of things I want to, and, and there's a few more little things, but th those are the major things. We want to plant more churches this year. We want to reach more people. And this leads me to a series of questions when it comes to our church, to family life. And I don't want you to raise your hands. I just want you to think about this. How many of you know people who have not started their spiritual journey? And my, my question is this. Would you begin to pray for them? Maybe this week of prayer and fasting, that's what you pray for. I mean, think about this. All of us know people who need a church, who need a good church, where, where they're going to be loved, where gonna, they can grow. And we could double our size of this congregation just by each one of us reaching one family. That's not too much to ask. We could double the size of our church just... And, and not only that, make a difference to the kingdom of God. And we need to do everything we can to influence their lives and get them into church and small groups. People commonly tell me this, man, pastor, this church has been such a blessing to me and my family. Yeah. People tell me that all the time. They're like, what can I do? I'm like, just spread the news. Yeah. Bring more people. 
We have more chairs. We can set more chairs. We can go to two services. I mean, there's all kind of things we can do. So that's the first thing. Who, who could you influence this year for the kingdom of God? And if you lead some of the Lord and they go to another church, that's great too. We, I, I want every church to grow. It's not just family life. Um, the second thing is this. I was thinking about this. How can family life reach more people in our community? And that's an interesting question. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus had a candid conversation with his disciples. Jesus had many candid conversations, which caused many people to leave from following him, but not the 12, right? And he, Jesus says this. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogue, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And you know what Jesus was saying? He's like, listen, the people who need me, this is Jesus talking, they're everywhere. The problem is we don't have enough kingdom-minded people who are willing to pitch in and serve. I mean, that, that was the essence. And so for family life, for us to, to, to reach more people and to grow and to be effective in our mission, it really comes down to having enough people to serve, to support the church financially, uh, to sacrifice and pray uh, you know, for the church, what makes the church unique from the business is there's simply not enough financial resource like a, any church. You can't pay everyone to do every single thing. What happens is, you know, you give ownership to the people. You give ownership to the congregation. Everyone uses their gifts and talents to support and help out and do different things. And, and of course, Family Life has done very well. We have several hundred volunteers that volunteer on a monthly, welcome, monthly basis. But you know what I've noticed? It's very interesting. The larger our church gets, the less people do. And the thought is like this. Well, look at all these other people. You know, they can do something. And so I, I'm asking this because I want to reach more people. I'm asking you today. Maybe you've been coming here for a month and you haven't done anything. And you're welcome just to come sit on the back row or whatever. But how about you actually take ownership here at Family Life? You say, this is my church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. I'm going to do what I can. Because the truth is, every time someone gets saved here at Family Life, every time we plan a new church, it, it's, not a, it's not the fruit of me. It's the fruit of this church and everyone that's involved. Man, when we get to heaven one day, there's going to be a lot of Indian people up there, a lot of Nepalese people. And they're going to say, hey, it's because, it's because family life was able uh, to do that. I'm trying to, I'm going a little bit over today. I'm sorry about that. But it's okay. We'll be okay, right? The Texans played last night. Y'all don't care. And they won. I can go as long as I want today. So listen, it, it, all of you that are all excited, I want you to come next week if they lose, okay? You come with the same joy. You come with the same joy. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Our, we have a grow track in two weeks, and that's the place. You say, I want to start serving, I want to get involved. That's the place. That's the place you, you, you start out. And I, I want to end with this. And then we're going to have a prayer time. Y'all can go ahead and stand up. 
would the prayer team come up this morning? We always like to close just having an opportunity for everyone to receive prayer. But here, I want to give you a challenge today. I want you, if you're new here or whatever, give family life one year. One year. Say, this year, I'm going to give it one year. I'm going to come as often as I can. I'm going to get involved in a small group. I'm going to take the grow track and begin serving somewhere. And what I'll promise you is if you go all in for one year, you'll be in a better place one year from today. I promise you that. God, we just pray right now. God, I just pray blessings over everyone here today. And Lord, I know there may be some people here this morning that are struggling with different things. And Lord, we just want to pray with people in faith. We want to see breakthroughs this year. So as the worship team leads us in worship, if you need prayer this morning, we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Are you hurting, broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Who oh, come through the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Leave behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling
blessing just raise your hand God I pray for financial spiritual physical emotional blessings upon your people Lord God I pray we'd be blessed in every way that people would see the hand of God upon our lives in Jesus name God I pray for this year as we roll out the week of prayer and fasting God I pray that every every night when people show up here as we fast at home and pray God your power would be released to us in Jesus' name we pray. I pray your blessings upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, you're dismissed this morning. And if you're visiting today, I'll be out there in the foyer. And I would love to talk and meet with you.